Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. Today is Tuesday, December 6th. Coming up, how a rise in Airbnbs is affecting Kansas City and what residents are hoping to do about it. But first, some headlines. The Kansas City Board of Police Commissioners has announced three finalists for police chief. KCUR's Peggy Lowe reports not everyone is happy with the process. Specifically, the Public Safety Coalition, made up of business, civic, and faith groups, say they are, quote, incredibly disappointed that there will be just one meeting to introduce the finalists to replace embattled former Chief Rick Smith. It's set for this coming Saturday in Midtown. The coalition says that leaves out residents in the Northland, the West Side, and South Kansas City. The three finalists include Kansas City Acting Deputy Chief Stacy Graves, a candidate from Philadelphia, and another from New Jersey. The candidate from Philadelphia is Deshaun Beaufort, and the New Jersey candidate is Scott Ebner. Missouri's legislative session doesn't start until January 4th, but lawmakers are already pre-filing bills. KCUR's Carlos Moreno reports many are focused on health and gender-related issues. Jackson County Senator Greg Razor says he filed SB 62 to clarify language of Missouri's trigger ban on abortions that could restrict birth control and necessary care. He worries about a chain reaction of lawsuits. All it takes is one prosecutor to prosecute one pharmacist for distributing the birth control pill or one hospital for Plan B. North Kansas City Senator Tony Luchtemeyer is sponsoring legislation that requires school athletes to compete on teams designated for their gender assigned at birth. And Lone Jack Representative Chris Sander has filed legislation requiring Jackson County to pay back fines it charged those who violated COVID-19 health orders. Roadside litter cleanup in the area has stalled since the onset of the pandemic, and the Missouri Department of Transportation is having trouble managing the issue. The agency recently hired a contractor to pick up biweekly along major roads. Assistant District Engineer Matt Killian says the crew gathers more than a thousand pounds of trash from one area every time it goes out. I'm amazed at how much trash our contractor does pick up. The trash keeps coming, and um, it's that same amount that we remove every two weeks. Gillian says MoDOT is unable to handle the litter with its own crews because of understaffing. The agency is trying to expand the existing contract and will continue to rely on volunteers to help. We'll be back after this. You listen to Kansas City Today every day because we're your local, reliable news source. You take us seriously. But now it's time to have some fun. Join us at our annual benefit, Radioactive, on June 14th. NPR's All Things Considered host Ari Shapiro is the featured guest at this party, and it's gonna be bumping. You gotta be there. Sponsorship packages and ticket information are available at kcur.org slash radioactive. Airbnbs and other short-term rentals have grown dramatically around the world in recent years, and Kansas City is no exception. But only 10% of short-term rentals in Kansas City are properly licensed, and residents argue that's led to neighborhoods full of visitors that don't treat the community with respect. KCUR's Salisa Kalakal has been covering the issue. She joined Kansas City Councilman Eric Bunch and Columbus Park Community Council President Kate Barsotti to tell KCUR's Steve Kraske how short-term rentals 
have affected Kansas City. Here's part of their conversation. Well, Kate, let me start with you. You tell us about your community up in Columbus Park and how the short-term rentals have impacted your neighborhood. We're certainly seeing a growth. We've identified at least 19, and I've looked at possibly two more and even four after that that will come online next year. The ones that are owner-occupied, we haven't had too much trouble with. The owners seem to manage them properly. They they watch for noise, but we're starting to see a trend where apartment residents are being displaced like out of duplexes or small apartment buildings and replaced with dedicated Airbnbs. Because the owners figure they can make more money that way, Kate? Is that the thinking? I'm assuming so. So I think there's been at least three. So owners have left and they've replaced it with Airbnb. So they used to live there. They see it as an investment and we are close to enough amenities that they are changing the housing stock and changing the character of the neighborhood. This ordinance, if people obeyed it for Kansas City, is probably pretty good. It's Mm -hmm. just that people aren't following it. And Mm -hmm. especially the part where if it's a dedicated Airbnb, they're not asking for permission of adjacent property owners. You know, Salisa, in your story about this issue, you quote a Mannheim Park resident named Rita Williams, who lives near the uh, batch of rentals. And she told you this. I have to start seeing a, a sleep therapist. I've had to get a sound machine. I have to leave on a fan, a TV to drown out the noise. I mean... That sounds pretty serious. Yeah, um, and those concerns are echoed by a lot of residents uh, in Kansas City. She actually uh, said that at a community meeting I was at about a month ago that was hosted uh, by Councilman Bunch to talk about short-term rentals. Um, And there were dozens of uh, 4th District residents there talking about they live near Airbnbs, um, and now they have to deal with loud parties every weekend. They don't have parking anymore on their street. Um, You know, they have to deal with trash. And just like, you know, like what Kate said, the discomfort of, you know, not knowing who you're living by, you know, there's new guests every single week. And that's causing a lot of issues for a lot of, a lot of residents. They've noticed over the years that their neighborhood has really changed um, and they're not they don't necessarily uh, love that. Um, and they're hoping the city uh, to take more action than they have been. And again, to the issue of noise, you're suggesting that a lot of these folks who stay at uh, Airbnbs, they tend to be partiers. Yeah, that's what a lot of uh, these residents have said. And, you know, Midtown in particular has the highest concentration of Airbnbs in Kansas City uh, in particular. Uh, and in Midtown, you know, you have Westport, you have the Plaza, you have a lot of, you know, popular tourist attractions. And, you know, when you go uh, visit a place, you want to be where the party's at, where the action's at. And so it kind of, it kind of in a way does make sense that so many Airbnbs are just concentrated in a very particular part of town because that's where people want to be when they visit. Do you know about when, Salisa, that these rentals began popping up around town? Well, so the city first passed uh, its ordinances on Airbnbs in 2018. Um, and I will say ever since those laws uh, were put on the books, uh, the number of Airbnbs has risen. And also uh, post-pandemic, the number of Airbnbs has also risen pretty sharply. You know, Councilman Bunch, you oversee the 4th District in the Midtown area uh, along Ward Parkway, Westport, the Plaza. How big of an issue has short-term rentals become in your your part of the city? I can't say uh, how it looks elsewhere or relative to the rest of the city, but I know that this has become a, a pretty consistent concern from constituents in the 4th District. So uh, it is it is 
currently one of the top priorities, primarily because it is affecting neighborhoods pretty uh, pretty significantly. Uh, I would say it's 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 two or three things. First, it's the disruption. I think Salisa was really uh, capturing what we heard at the listening session a few weeks ago uh, pretty well. Parties, uh, lewd behavior, uh, in some cases, in some cases, illicit, illegal behavior and, and drug dealing. Um, but then an, a, another issue, beside just the simple disruption of the neighborhoods, is is the cost of living increases that this is, I think, really spurred on. You know, we we have a limited supply of housing, as as is the case in any city, and when a lot of that is locked up in Airbnbs or short-term rentals, we we say Airbnb, but we mean all the short-term rental programs. When we have so much housing, and in, in this case hundreds of of units in the fourth district locked up in short-term rentals it means that other people who want to live here permanently don't have that housing that that option is all is off the table so it really depletes supply which is i think one of the biggest more insidious issues that we're seeing from airbnbs or uh, all short-term rentals you know salisa the audit was released on short-term rentals and it focused on their economic impact Can you give us just a quick sense of what that audit found? Yeah, so that audit uh, mainly found that because the city does not tax or or place any fees uh, on short-term rentals, the city is potentially missing out on about two million dollars in one year because we we our hands are kind of tied because of Missouri law because we can't tax uh, short-term rentals because state law does not actually define them as hotels or motels. Huh. Councilman, could that change anytime soon? Is that something that is on your wish list for lawmakers going back to Jefferson City this January? Yeah, we always have a long list of things for <laughs> uh, for Jefferson City to help us out with. And this this is one of them. Uh, a simple change in the definition of lodging in state statute would allow us to tax uh, at the same rate as we would for, say, the uh, any hotel room. Uh, what we, what, according to the auditor's report, we can do currently though, is, is assess an occupancy fee, which is, which I think is a, is a like a dollar 50 per, per room night. And that is, that's, that's one of the $2 million that Salisa mentioned that, that that's a part of the $2 million that we're missing out on. So that's something that we could do already. Either it may require a citywide vote of the public, um, to be in accordance with the Hancock amendment, but we could we could begin to implement that and generate more revenue so that we can actually pay for the administration of the program and that's one of the recommendations of the audit report right. uh, the other part is the is the tourism tax which is a little bit different that is a, a funding mechanism that helps pay down the debt service on on the arena and right. on and 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 there's also funding that goes towards the uh, uh, the convention center that helps us pay for the convention center maintenance and and debt obligations there as well. And so that's something that's a little bit more tricky, and that would require, I believe, a statutory revision. Uh, but that's something that is on uh, it's been on our wish list, our our legislative priority list that we that we fight for every single year in Jeff City. So we will continue to push for that one. But I think that there are some things that we can do in the meantime. But I would say that the biggest issue is not necessarily Necessarily, I, I would argue that it's not the lack of, of funding for this. 
uh, although <laughs> um, because we can't we can already assess a, a fee right. regardless because we can we can charge a fee to help us cover the administrative costs of the program that's not that's not in question um, we could raise that but, but the real issue here is our lack of enforcement and lack of oversight the biggest by far the biggest issue is enforcement either uh, enforcement of of those properties, those units that are not currently registered with the city, but also the ones who are just the sort of the the bad actors who are having raucous parties right. and illicit behaviors and things like that. So Lisa, I want to just uh, go back to one point here. This is a problem that really what exists to one degree or another citywide, right? Yeah, definitely. It impacts, uh, you know, the city mm-hmm. everywhere, you know, when it Depending on like the neighborhood you live in, if you have a lot of short-term rentals in your neighborhood, you know, that could affect your property taxes, that could affect, you know, the people you live around. And so this really is a citywide issue. And uh, even though, you know, the fourth district seems to get the brunt of it, I mean, every district has some number of short-term rentals and, you know, it's up to... It's up to, I think, the city to see how it affects different districts differently. You know, maybe more districts want short-term rentals, but there are districts that see almost maybe too many or too high of a concentration, and it is negatively affecting the quality of life of residents who live there long-term. That was KCUR's Steve Kraske and Salisa Kolakal, along with Kansas City Councilman Eric Bunch and Kate Barsotti, president of the Columbus Park Community Council. You can hear their entire conversation from up to date at kcur.org. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. This podcast is produced by Byron Love and KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. For more local news from Kansas City's NPR station, visit kcur.org, where you can also hear our live stream. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow.